Hello, hello. Welcome to the Kings and Beatles Daily Deep Dive. I am your host, Tony Fry. This is episode 242. Thank you for joining me. If you are uh, popping in on the YouTube live, make sure you swing by the chat, say hello, share your thoughts, vote in our poll um, that we have going on right now. If you're listening to this after the fact, make sure you swing by our YouTube channel and subscribe so that you can watch our live recordings of these podcasts and participate as well. Um, Plus the subscriptions will help us do some um, cool bonus material and stuff like that down the line once we hit certain thresholds. So make sure you do that. And also, if you haven't watched these shows before or haven't listened to the podcast before and you want to get in on some of those older episodes, there's 241 episodes before this one. Uh, you can find all that information at HeroHabit.com under the podcast button, a whole listing separated by album of which songs we've covered already. And um, I'm more and more of those old archives from when it was audio only are being added to YouTube every week. So SwingByHeroHabit.com for all that information. So today, episode 242, we're talking about Shangri-La by The Kinks, which was released September 12th, 1969 as a single in the UK. And um, the side two opener of Arthur or the Decline and Fall of the British Empire on October 10th, 1969. It failed to make any impression on the charts in the UK, which is a sentence I'm sure you are used to hearing me say at this point. And I know from talking to a lot of listeners of this podcast that uh, Shangri-La is considered by a lot of people as one of Ray's greatest recordings. Right. Peak Ray Davies, a shining example of his capabilities. And. It's pretty easy to justify this opinion. It's not my personal favorite Kinks song, but I totally 100% understand if somebody else thinks that highly of this song. Um, It feels to me like it's more of one of those songs like Uncle Albert or You Never Give Me Your Money, which we talked about last night, uh, where it's a fragmented combination of songs. right? But unlike those songs... These feel like they were written as one piece, right? You Never Give Me Your Money or Uncle Albert or even Band on the Run. Those fragments seem are clearly uh, disconnected from each other. But this one is a thoughtful, through-composed piece of music that just happens to fit in that same mold as some small song fragments. I mean, there's not really a chorus um, there's the Shangri-La refrain in the opening verses, and then you get that epic Shangri-La, la 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 la. But you don't really get that till the song's half over, which is a long time to wait for a chorus. So I consider that just a complete section all on its own. It's another song fragment. Um, but everything works perfectly together. Dave wrote in his first book uh, that Shangri-La was released as a single and much to our surprise, it was greeted with derision and negative criticism. For some reason, the media critics, people in general, had got hold of the wrong end of the stick. They thought it was purely a put-down of certain social attitudes and behavior of the time, when in fact there was an underlying sympathy for the role played by middle-class Britain. Let's look at the lyrics and, and see where these critics could um, characterize the meaning of this song in such a way. So the first verse says, Now that you found your paradise, this is your kingdom to command. You can go outside and polish your car or sit by the fire in your Shangri-La. On the surface, that doesn't seem so bad, right? The song opens with this sweet verse and a very delicate performance by Ray. 
against a single acoustic guitar, right? And what he's saying here, in the way that I read it, is not sarcastic at all, right? Uh, home is where the heart is. Um, man is the king of his castle. All the we we're always putting this emphasis. You know, there's a thousand idioms about home being your palace or whatever, and that's all he's saying here is this is the paradise that you dreamed of, right? This is your Shangri-La. I don't see that as sarcastic or put down at all. Then the second verse kicks in. Here's your reward for working so hard. Gone are the lavatories in the backyard. Gone are the days when you dreamed of that car. You just want to sit in your Shangri-La. Okay, now we're two verses in, and I can't see where the critical derision comes from. To me, at the outset, the song is very clearly about a man who worked and achieved his dreams, and now he just wants to enjoy the fruits of his labor. That's it. It's simple. Where do these critics get off writing such horrible critiques of the song? Um, but in the third verse, Ray does seem to take a stab. And I can see, I think it all comes down to these next two sections. In, in verse 3, he says, Put on your slippers and sit by the fire. You've reached your top and you just can't get any higher. As if to say this middle class ex existence is as good as it's going to get for you. Right? And I'll talk about it in, a, in a, a little bit later, but I still don't think this is a condemnation of the British middle class worker. This is a condemnation of the system, not the person. Right? Uh, then he sings, the little man who gets on the train got a mortgage hanging over his head, but he's too scared to complain because he's conditioned that way. This verse to me is just another way of saying keep calm and carry on, right? This is a British mentality that is well documented, right? And and it's an American mentality too in a lot of ways. Um, sure, this man has a mortgage to worry about, but he still gets on the train, does his work, does what he needs to do to get it done. And he doesn't complain about it. He doesn't put on a pity party. He just gets the work done. And in fact, later in that same verse, he pays off his debts and is able to get a TV and a radio. So now, again, is this a condemnation of the worker? He had a mortgage. He went to work. He got it done. He didn't complain about it. He paid his bills. And now he's got some more luxuries in life that he can afford. I, I, this is, I don't see where the critique of this song comes from. Um, you know, his hard work is not in vain with these little luxuries that he has in his life. Once the song shifts into more straight-ahead rock, um, Ray does seem to condemn certain aspects of middle-class cult, middle culture. But he never condemns the middle-class worker. He talks about the uh, homogenation of the modern neighborhoods where all the houses look the same. Um, the gossip that circulates in these neighborhoods, the emotional insecurity that goes unspoken in that society. You know, he says life ain't happy in your little Shangri-La. But at the end of the day, it is still your Shangri-La. And there's something to be said for that. I think any criticism of these lyrics at the time we're missing what Ray was trying to say. It's obvious to me, and I'm looking at it through a historical lens, obviously, uh, but it's obvious to me that Ray is more critical of the fact that the character in the song has to suffer in silence than he is critical of the character in this song. Right? In the modern day, this would be a song about social media, 
right? You post your best pictures on Instagram where you look happy and fulfilled and off doing fun things, but you don't post pictures of yourself laying awake at night wondering which bill you're going to have to pay late this month. It's the same basic concept with with this Shangri-La, right? This character in this in this song is sitting in silence. He's not allowed to express his insecurity, his fear, the weight of having that mortgage over his head. He's just got to keep calm and carry on. And really, it's a testament to the quality of Ray's songwriting and the timeliness that is timeless, right? Because as relevant as this was in a post-World War II England, or a late 60s England, it is just as relevant to a modern day everywhere, right? The scenery changes, but the way we behave and our expectations of others really don't. And so in that respect, Ray's music is almost sadly timeless because he does talk a lot, and Shangri-La, I believe, is a song in this catalog that talks a lot about what's wrong in society. And the fact that we're 50 years on, 60 years on in some cases, and these things are still relevant is not great for any of us, you know? It's not a great commentary on where we've come in the last 50 years since this song came out that, okay, it still pretty much applies. Maybe it's not applying to uh, track neighborhoods anymore, but it still applies in our in our work life, in our social life, all that kind of stuff. It's sad. I'm not going to get into a deep musical analysis of this track. Um, he does some some beautiful chords, and it's all very simple, but it's it has to be. You know, this is kind of a folky song, especially at the beginning. We just start on the A minor. Now that you found your paradise. It's just a very lovely little chord progression, very simple, A minor, G, E, A minor. Um, but what's cool, and he does this a lot, we've talked about this on several episodes already, we've established this A minor as the... We've established that as... Uh, the tonic, the, the main chord. And at the end of that second verse, you know, you sit and you, you're Shangri-La. And he just raises it up to an A major. And he loves playing between that minor and major. He does it on like Sunny Afternoon is an obvious example where he switches from D minor to D major and back and forth and back and forth. <clears throat> um, he's not switching to the key of D major or A major though. He's using that as a pivot point to get you to D. On your slippers and sit by the fire. You've reached your top and you just can't get any higher. Right? So then we're kind of in D for a little bit. Um, although he takes some liberties with that key as well. And then um, when you get to, and all the houses in the street have got a name. He does the same thing he did before, where he went A minor to A major. Now he's doing the, uh, we're in D. And then when he gets to that section, he switches to D minor. And it's basically the uh, sunny afternoon. Where he's just 
walking down the D minor scale. Um, same chimney pot, same metal console, same window pane. So right there, even in the verse, just like Sunny Afternoon, he throws in that D major chord. So he is in D minor, he's playing around, he gets to that A chord, which could resolve either way to D minor or D major, and he hits the D major. And then neighbors call, tell you, right? So then it's right back to the minor. It's cool stuff. And uh, I like any time a songwriter can kind of be ambiguous with where the tonal center is, whether it's major or minor or whatever it is. Um, and then it's just more of the same. And then you've got the, the Shangri-La section. It's just a cycle of fourths. Starts on G, Shangri-La, la-la-la, la-la-la, la-la-la. So it's G, up a fourth to C, up a fourth to F, up a fourth to B flat. Repeat. That's pretty basic stuff. But I'm not going to get into all of that. You know, There are some borrowed chords and stuff like that all over the place. But there is some cool harmonic stuff that for, you know, this is one of the longest songs on the album. And I think it is the longest song that doesn't include a long jam session. Right, we have an extended outro with the uh, the Shangri-La chorus, but it's not really a jam in the way that Australia was, which is a longer track. So, to have a track this long that goes through all these phases and all that kind of stuff, um, there's just a lot going on, and we're not going to get into all of it. What I do want to do, though, is point out a few highlights for me. Ray's vocals on this song are fantastic. And he does this from time to time on several songs, but he uses different voices to convey his messages, right? The soft, gentle, fragile vocal that opens the song is very different from the aggressive, shrill voice that leads the, uh, the, the, the rock section, right? And I've said it before. I'll say it again. I will say it again in the future, I'm sure. But I love when a singer makes these types of adjustments to their vocal. Instead of singing everything in their voice, you know, they're okay. You, Ray will oftentimes um, incorporate like that aristocratic accent. Or he'll get super whiny and shrill. Or he'll be very soft-spoken. Like he has different aspects to his vocal range that he can access at any given point if it delivers the message in a way that he wants to deliver it more effectively. And that's another reason, you know, going back to what we talked about at the top of this episode, where with the critics saying that this is a, a condemnation of the British working class, I think you can take some cues from his vocal presentation in this that he's not crazy about the neighborhood life, right? The track housing, the gossiping, all that kind of stuff, because he does affect his voice in a different way there. But when he's just singing about this guy's accomplishments, you know, and and telling his story, it's very straight ahead. It's very earnest. And I think that you have to interpret the lyrics with that, um, that vocal performance in mind. Also, Mick Avery's drumming. Stop me if you've heard me say this before. Uh, Mick Avery's drumming on this song is fantastic. And I know it doesn't surprise longtime listeners to hear me say that, but when you think of the drummers that get so much credit and acclaim from his era that he is probably a better drummer than, uh, it's just criminal. He's the most underrated drummer of his generation, and I challenge anybody to tell me otherwise. 
Um, and then lastly, on the bass, John Dalton has a little lick on the bass during the Shangri-La. Um, the chorus is, that is such a cool hook. And to me, every time I hear it, it grabs me. And I think when they were remastering it, I think that part became a little bit more prevalent in the mix. But when they're doing the Shangri-La, and he does it, dum 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 da 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 ding dum It's such a cool little lick that he does, and um, really hooks you into that chorus, as if that chorus wasn't catchy and hooky enough. Um, he absolutely even grabs you a little bit more. When I first heard this song, this is kind of a sleeper for me. I immediately liked it. But when I heard it for the first time, it was kind of a middle of the album um, in terms of my favorites, not in terms of it literally being in the middle of the album, which it is. Um, but it's just in terms of my hierarchy of the songs. This one was kind of middle of the road for me. But over the years, it just keeps climbing and climbing. And um, on virtually any other album, it'd probably be my in my top three. And that speaks more to the quality of the insane quality of this album. That this song isn't necessarily automatically considered the best song on the album, you know. It, but it's really a great song. Um, I asked in the poll where does Shangri-La rate as your favorite. Um, we only had one voter, even though there was a few more people in here today. Um, but they said it was their all-time favorite. The options were all-time favorite, top ten, middle of the road, or um, not even in my top one hundred. All right, that's all I got for you today. Make sure that you swing by herohabit.com to get the back lists of all the episodes we've already done. And if you have comments or anything that you would like to share with me, I can be reached uh, by voicemail at 925-494-1739. You can email me, kinksandbeats at herohabit.com. And of course, you can find me on all the social medias, including our subreddit, our Facebook group, our Twitter page, our Instagram, our TikTok account. And then of course, please do subscribe right there to this YouTube channel so that you can stay up to date on all the stuff that we're doing, uh, Kinks and Beatles related and beyond that. We're, we're posting new video content every day and it would be awesome if you subscribed and helped us get a little bit more exposure. All right, I will talk to you guys tomorrow. We have a bonus episode for our premium um, contributors and then I will talk to you on Monday. We're back to Paul McCartney's Ram album on Monday. Thank you so much for watching. Have a great day. Stay safe. Have a nice weekend.